Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. Are you looking for a great educational website? Then go to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll free of charge. Get a free class 10 Myths of American History when you do enroll. Look, I've got awesome classes there. Classes on the Constitution, classes on the Civil War, classes on secession, classes on American history. A whole slew of great stuff just waiting for you. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com, enroll, and get a real history education. Does America need a singular hero to save it from the barbarians? We'll talk about that on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. Support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com. You've already heard about that. Also, go to brianmcclanahan.com. Click on that support tab, throw a few pennies my way, or go to Spotify for podcasters. You can subscribe there. Or go to YouTube, and if you're watching it on YouTube, click on that little super thanks button under the video. You can support the show that way as well. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Let people know you love it. Share it around on social media. Give it that five-star review. Leave a text review wherever you can. Leave a comment at YouTube for the algorithm that does help get more people seeing it. All those things are great. Also, you can go to Learn True, T-R-U-E, LearnTrueHistory.com. You can support the show financially that way. Or also clicking on the shop tab at BrianMcClanahan.com. But those are all great ways to support the show. And I do appreciate all of your support. If you want to hear something, also send me those show requests. All right, so let's talk about the topic. And that is the singular hero mentality, right? We need a hero to come in and save the day. We need someone, a singular individual, willing to save America from the barbarians that are already through the gates. Now, I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, the barbarians have already infiltrated everything in America. This is true. But to say that we need a singular hero, someone who's going to save America from the top down, that's going to clean out the swamp, the deep state, this is what needs to happen, is a fantasy. It's a fantasy. And all that would happen as you take that kind of power to clean out the other side, that person could only be president for a maximum of eight years, and then what's going to happen at that point? Well, the other side's going to use the weapons that you gave them, you leave the sword behind, and they're going to clean up you. They're going to put all their people back in. So this is the problem with all of this, and why all this fantasy about going into D.C. and cleaning everything up and it's just absolute lunacy. You have to start from the bottom. This is why the entire sh- point of this show is think locally, act locally. You got to worry about family, then you got to worry about city or county or town, whatever it is. Then you got to worry about your state. Then you got to worry about the general government. In fact, if we had things properly proportioned in America, you wouldn't worry about the general government really at all. It, it wouldn't even be something that we focused on at all, right? The general government would be there for general purposes only. What is that? Of course, commerce and defense. And what I mean by commerce, not going in and saying you can't plant some tomatoes in your backyard and then sell them to your neighbors or looking at your $600 transactions on eBay. That's not commerce. 
What commerce is, of course, is a free trade zone between the states, making sure that if I want to buy something in a state and bring it back over lines, I don't have to have a, a you know some type of pay some type of tariff or a tax to do it. You want to have free commercial exchange between the states because that does provide for the best economic benefits of everyone involved to be able to do that. And they can, of course, have one voice when it comes to trade with foreign powers. Founding generation was correct on this. You don't want to have to deal with, at that time, 13 different states when it came to, you know, if we want to have trade with, take your pick of foreign power, we want to have one voice to do that so we can have a unified trade policy. Foreign policy, defense, we wanted to have a unified voice with foreign policy and defense. We didn't want 13 states in 1787 or 1788 or 1784 when we had the Articles of Confederation dealing with foreign policy because that could create some real issues. If one state is doing one thing, another state is doing another thing, well, then you can get intrigue and all kinds of things. So having a singular voice for the essential items of diplomacy, which made the United States stronger, right? It made the states themselves stronger because... You didn't have to worry about being picked off or creating uh, these uh, alliances, say, in New England against the South and these kind of things where you had intrigue going on. Having a singular voice was not a bad idea. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. It's a good idea to have a singular voice with these things in a common area so that you don't have foreign powers coming in and trying to meddle and create divisions. That's a good idea. But everything else was left to the states. You see, that's federalism. You want to have a real solution to problems in America right now? Embrace federalism. Embrace it on the left and the right. You would have a much more peaceful environment. We can debate what kind of policies we want in our own states. We can talk about left policies, right policies, whatever. Maybe you're in a conservative state and you don't like the conservative policies, so you can work to change them there, and you might be able to get some things your way in those states. But uh, we, we should have those debates in a much smaller environment. This is what I talked about last week with this progressive who wants to increase the size of Congress. Because all these issues are supposed to be handled in Congress, in her mind. But we know that's not the case. See, we've, we've completely inverted how we think about America. Yesterday I talked about Tim Scott and this leftist who said, well, Tim Scott is doing a 180-degree turn on what American history is. So is that progressive who wrote that in this way. He thinks everything should come from the center. The conservatives in the South were 100% right about the nature of, fe of federal power and the general government in America. You had a constitution with expressly delegated powers. Those powers are the only thing the constitution had, and then everything else is left to the states. That is the real American conservative position. Well, it always has been, and that's what we should be talking about. But... You've got conservatives, quote-unquote, running around who want a top-down solution for everything. These are the nationalists, and we talked about nationalism last week, too. These are the nationalists, and this is why nationalism is so dangerous, because nationalism in the hands of the left is going to destroy the right. Because you see, at the end of the day, they don't want to just take down symbols and flags and everything else. They want to take down you. You are the real obstacle, whereas conservatives aren't necessarily on board with that, right? We tolerate people that don't think like us and people who don't do what we do. You tolerate those things because as long as you do them in your own place, that's fine. We don't want a government that institutes those things or 
uh, says that you have to do these things, but what you do in your own house is generally your business. There's much more tolerance from the right than on the left, in fact. The left have become the really intolerant folks, and it's been that way since the French Revolution. There's been no more destructive force in, Amer in, in world history, in Western civilization, than the left. No more destructive force. The left are the real monsters when it comes to the abuse of rights and liberties and, of course, violence on the people that don't think like them. They have to be eliminated. That's Leninism. We have to understand that. That's Leninism. This is the dictatorship of the proletariat. You have to eliminate those that don't think like you, even violently if necessary. And so when they have the reins to that government that you create to eliminate them because they won't be out of power forever, they'll get back into power unless you somehow created a monarchy again, which no one's going to agree with and no one should, should agree with. But if you created that, well, then you could maybe maintain that status and clamp down on things. But that's not going to happen. The left will eventually get power again and you give them the keys to that kind of monster, that kind of federal apparatus, that kind of power. You give them those swords... And they're going to use them. And they're going to go after everybody. We're seeing it in the Biden administration. They're doing it. So, of course, the, the argument is fight fire with fire. Well, when you get in there, you do the same thing. What have you just created in America? You haven't created a peaceful environment. You haven't created a place where political divisions can be solved through uh, people that know each other and localism and real debate and discussion. And we know those things can get nasty, too. But the impersonal nature of American politics, I think, is driving a lot of this vitriol. You, don't, you look at the other person as an abstraction, not as a real person. And it doesn't matter if you're on the left or the right. That is, we've taken the human element out of all of this. They're an abstraction. They're not a real person. And I think in many ways, the left will even do that to the people standing in front of them. They're just an abstraction. Those on the right do try to look at people as people. And what one of the anchors to that, of course, is... is Christian morality. I mean, this is something that you know people on the right generally have. It doesn't even have to be Christian morality. It could be any kind of religious morality. These people, there are people standing across from you. And so those people need to be respected and treated with respect and love. I mean, that, that comes out of it. But and they, you might disagree with them, but you don't wish any harm on them. The left, however, has lost that anchor. They don't care. Their religion is government. It is power and and it has to be satisfied by eliminating opposition. And so there you go. They'll do it. So the argument to fight fire with fire comes down to abandoning that humanitarian anchor of real traditionalism. You have to have that. You have to have that humanitarian anchor in the West. And so the way you do that, of course, is from the bottom up. Think locally, act locally. This is why I talk about it all the time. I've had two episodes this week, think locally, act locally. Look, I mean, yesterday, how conservatism, if you are conservative, John C. Calhoun, I go back to this comment because it is definition, because it's so good. I'm a conservative because I'm a conservative. I'm a state's rights man. This is John C. Calhoun saying it. If you don't believe in federalism as an American conservative, you're not really a conservative. You're not. You're something else. And uh, you're not an American conservative. You are a type of European conservative in a European nation state, which is not the American Federal Republic. Now, France is a much smaller geographic area. Germany, much smaller geographic area. And even Germany, 
The conservatives were those that believed in decentralization. The progressives were trying to hammer it all together. The conservatives in England, the country party in England, you could say, I mean, they're, well, you could say, well, these were the Whigs. They weren't. But they were a certain type of conservative and they thought to preserve their own local power. Right? So localism matters. It preserves culture, traditions, customs. It preserves these things and that's very important. All right, so all that said, let me get into this piece. It was at the American Thinker and it's written by a man using a pseudonym. It could be a woman, I don't know, Huck Davenport. With the barbarians in the gates, in the gates, we may need our own barbarians. I think what we're saying here, fight fire with fire. In fact, the examples used are from World War II when it was okay to firebomb the Japanese. Now, so we're, politics now is war. We need to firebomb the opposition. Think about that. Think about how dangerous that actually is. If you fail to realize we are living through the most significant social, economic, and political revolution in history, it can only be by a Herculean effort and self-deception. So this is the most important election of our lifetime. I mean, the kind of hyperbole here is just hilarious in some ways. I'm not saying there aren't some things going on that are pretty dramatic and that we're seeing a major cultural shift in America. I'm not saying that's not happening. But the most significant social, economic, and political revolution in history? No. No. The French Revolution trumps this. The Russian Revolution trumps this. We haven't gotten there yet. We're not, we're not lopping people's heads off. Now, I'm not saying the left couldn't want to do that. We haven't completely remade society yet uh, like the Russians did. Now, that could be coming. I'm not saying that's not on the horizon, that the left doesn't really want to do that. They're already trying to put feelers out in how they could do this. But it hasn't happened yet. So powerful is man's ability to thrust aside what they do not desire. It is, is it any wonder history is replete with catastrophes born of those who would substitute hope for reason? Again, a whole bunch of hyperbole here. No one's hoping. Be vigilant and guard against it. How do you do that? You protect the local. You protect the local. Pa real patriotism is protecting your, your local against a foreign entity. It could be a foreign entity from another state. It could be a foreign entity from your own state, a foreign culture. You're protecting your local from them, and you go to war to protect that. You do all you can to protect that. I mean, this is this is true. But I don't know if we're there where Huck Davenport says we are yet. On the Ides of March, Caesar, by ignoring these soothsayers' pleas, brought about his death, decades of civil war, and the fall of the Roman Republic. Constantine Eleventh thought the walls of Constantinople were impregnable against the sword of Allah. But on the morning of March 29, 1453, Christendom in the east came to a bloody and unspeakably brutal end. And after meeting with a genocidal madman, Chamberlain proclaimed peace in our time with an appeasement that would leave 85 million dead in the end of the British Empire. So, of course, America is facing Hitler. We're facing the Muslim hordes coming in for Constantinople. And um, we're facing the fall of the Roman Republic. Because Caesar, the savior of the Republic, wink, wink, really, was the guy that uh, was the guy we should look to. 
In the latter case, mercifully, a country with immense resources, shared values, and the unwavering moral courage needed to save the world from, ty from a tyranny hell-bent on racially purifying and enslaving the globe was still standing. That nation exists today, but only in name. As Thucydides warned, it is men who make the city and not walls or ships without men. Indeed, it was the men of the greatest generation that manned the ships that saved the world, and they too are gone and worse forgotten. So see, if we just had these World War II guys back, the World War II guys are the guys that gave us all the nonsense we have now. I'll never forget a conversation with my grandmother years ago. She was still alive. She's of that generation. And she said, I was complaining about something about the 1960s generation. And she very abruptly stopped me and said, no, Brian, those were our kids. We created that, in other words. The World War II generation created that. We didn't stop them. That's what we gave to the world. So if you want to blame somebody, she was saying blame us. Blame the World War II generation because we're the ones that created this nightmare. And you might can make that case. I mean, I've, I've had a lot of you know, World War II generations, also the New Deal, then that would be the Great Society, all of that. I mean, these are the people. You know, great Society comes about in the 1960s, not even 20 years after the World War II generation. This is when the World War II generation was in middle age. Think about that. They were middle-aged in the 1960s. That's the gift of the World War II generation. It wasn't the bunch of dopey hippies running around who were teenagers or in early 20s. They, they did nothing. It was the World War II generation that capitulated. It was Lyndon Johnson and Richard Nixon and John F. Kennedy. That's the World War II generation. You see. We forget that. It's not the greatest generation. The greatest generation for screwing things up, perhaps. And then their boomer kids. What makes today's revolution different is the unholy coalescence of inconceivable, inconceivably powerful yet wholly corrupt institutions. Unimaginable technological capability and the systemic indoctrination of the most depraved ideology the world has ever known. And so what's really funny about this, there's an image on this page. It's a U.S. flag and it has... LeMay, Patton, and Trump, right? This is all going to get to Trump at the end. We have to go fight this like LeMay and Patton in World War II. we got to firebomb the enemy. This is dangerous stuff. That our institutions are corrupt and untrustworthy, untrustworthy is beyond doubt. The CDC brazenly lied about natural immunity, masks, gain-of-function research, vaccine effectiveness, and safety. The same DOJ that eviscerated immigration law repeatedly manufactured false allegations against the sitting president and raided his home. A New York City attorney general has indicted a former president, all while acting actual criminals, both on the streets and in the White House, pillaged with impunity. And SCOTUS, our erstwhile constitutional protector, is denounced even by one of its own justices for reducing constitutional law to policy-driven value judgments until the last shreds of its, of its legitimacy disappear. Now, this is what the Supreme Court's always been, by the way. Our erstwhile constitutional protector. Give me a break. It's been shredding the Constitution since the Marshall Court. It's never been a constitutional protector. It's always been interested in its own power. It's ridiculous. Never before has resistance been so futile. This is, again, why I always am critical of the West Coast Straussian conservatives, the neocons, the West Coast Straussians, because they're awful. Their hyperbole is just stupid. 
Protesters without trial are simply swept away into the D.C. Gulag archipelago. Bank accounts are similarly closed. Wrong speech, if not censored, will cost you your job or buy you an armed pre-dawn rain to help get you thinking right. With a $175 billion annual budget, the Department of Homeland Security has established the greatest surveillance state ever to have existed outside of the telescreen in Orwell's dystopian novel, 1984. Well, you know, some of, this thing, some of these things are happening. A lot of this is paranoia, but some of these things are happening. Um, and we know that this is uneven. We know that the left gets away with things the right doesn't. I mean, this does happen. But, um, again, some of this stuff is just, it's, it's bordering on hyperbole. I, I don't know, and I can understand why Huck Davenport wants to write under a pseudonym, because this sounds almost fantasy. In some ways. With dissent silence, the unchallenged uniparty message has infested every crevice of society, including most ominously the very soul of the nation. Well, I do agree we have a uniparty. In fact, we've had that. We've had a uniparty since really the post-World War II period. I mean, you look at what happened with Truman and Dewey, right? 1948. 1948, you have the famous Dewey v. Truman election. And what happened? Dewey wasn't really that much of a conservative. I mean, he was okay. But he wasn't really on the right at all. In fact, Dewey just thought we needed a softer New Deal. He had adopted essentially everything from the left, except we just don't need it as much. And so what does Harry Truman do? He goes on his whistle-stop tour, campaigns on the back of, his, of the caboose on the train, in his bathrobe at times, making these speeches, and he's portraying Dewey as a firm proponent of the right. This guy is a radical conservative. Wasn't true, but it's what he said. Dewey lost that election because potentially from this hyperbole coming out of the Truman administration, but Dewey had adopted their, had adopted their positions. And you can say the same thing about Eisenhower, 1952, 1956. I mean... When, when Nixon's president, God bless Pat Buchanan, he will defend Nixon to the day he dies. When Nixon was president, his advisors couldn't understand why the left was attacking him so much because they were doing whatever the left wanted. This is the sad thing about all of it. Because the left is relentless. They are relentless. I do agree with Huck Davenport that the left is relentless. They always will be going, they will go and go and go. They will never stop. They will never stop. So, um, again, how do you protect yourself from that? It's not from the top down. You can't go and clean it out from the top down. You have to do it from the bottom up. They have to lose the legitimacy. When they lose the legitimacy and their power over you, that's when they lose anything. That's when they lose everything in reality. So, again, if, it's, if, what, if this weren't enough, uniparty functionaries have embedded their pernicious and radical ideology in every classroom, every boardroom, and every newsroom with the express purpose of creating a new generation of subjects stripped of any sense of justice, any knowledge of history, and most appallingly, any ability to reason. Thoughtful discourse has given way to temper tantrums, reasoned arguments, to obscene shouting, and civility to mob violence. Well, these are the tools of the left. I mean, he's right about this. That does... Uh, platitudes, slogans, name-calling, whatever it is, mobs. It's what the left does. And when the right tries it, his, his point is, at the end of the piece, we need somebody coming on the right who's going to fight fire with fire. When the right tries it, it's going to be a disaster. It'll never work out for them. 
The new ideology's revisionism is a direct assault on American exceptionalism. After millennia of human slavery affecting all races, the men who built a country on the principles of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, who did more to advance freedom than any who came had come before, and who sacrificed their sons and treasure to end slavery forever, are now poisoned by the original sin of having born, been born into a world that doesn't meet the approval of its ungrateful 21st century descendants, who have no conception that their own freedom was purchased with the blood of those they condemned. This is the proposition nation myth. This is how you know this person is either a neocon or a West Coast Straussian, because they trumpet this proposition nation Lincolnian myth. Right? It's, well, look at all we did. Look at all we did to end these things. You ungrateful people, we did all this stuff. They don't care, right? Go back to yesterday. They don't care. That was the left that did that, not the right. You don't have a claim on that. If it wasn't for lefties, none of that stuff would have happened because all these people that were uh, you know, conservative would have just kept everyone enslaved and everything else. You see, it doesn't matter. All these arguments only work on conservatives, quote-unquote. They don't work on anyone else. Denounces heresy are, those, are these same constitutional freedoms that have unleashed the immense power of capitalism, which in turn exponentially improved the quality of life worldwide. No longer would life be, as Hobbes describes, solitary, poor, brutish, nasty, and short. Instead, men could expect the future to be better for their children than it was for them, and still better for their children's children. Who can think this today? Is it the constitutional freedoms that did that, or simply um, is that constitutional freedoms, or is it federalism? That did that. Or, I mean, you could we could argue all kinds of things in this. Public schools have stopped teaching. Instead, children are de denigrated for their skin color. They are terrorized by predictions of, the, of an imminent, imminent climate apocalypse taught as science by a death cult. Their innocence is stolen by debauched drag shows where every conceivable sexual act is simulated. Their heads are filled with tribal nonsense of multiculturalism, diversity, and now transgenderism. The absurd notion that you can change your gender, which would be laughable if not for the Monstrous surgical mutilations that reportedly have Joseph, uh, Joseph Menegel blushing in hell, right? So, I mean, this is, again, he's talking about the culture war. The culture war matters, but how do you fight back against the culture war? Not from the top. Not from, where, where is the culture war being the most effectively waged right now? In Florida. From a governor. From the bottom up. Not from the top down. And if Trump was president, I don't think you would see any weaponization or any kind of culture war. Be, I mean, look, Trump, here, here's the thing. When the, when the uh, naming commission was created, Trump vetoed it. And yet the Congress, the great Republican conservatives, overrode his veto. Right? I mean, these are the people you put your faith in. The center. You have to stop this stuff from the bottom up. Every second, every day, every year, it only grows worse. The tentacles of the deep state or its, and its depraved ideology sink deeper and deeper into the roots of society. And unlike World War II, there is no champion of liberty somewhere across the globe that will be coming to our rescue. We need, we need the Savior to come in. There's no Superman, right? In World War II, the United States was the Superman. There's no Superman to come in and save us. In fact, there is the exact opposite. Across the globe waits a sadistic, fascist regime like that, like all rising powers, is determined to destroy and enslave the country it perceives as its former oppressor. So uh, we have this fascist regime across the globe, right? 
The window is closing on saving America. It's not closed already. The conservative movement, a shrinking coalition of those who still understand the invaluable worth of a traditionally liberal society and institutions that ensure freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and association advancement on merit and race and class by injustice is, by its nature, ill-equipped for this contest. You cannot fight barbarians by Marquis of Queensberry rules. And as with all decent men, to both their credit and their demise, they are unable to bring themselves to fight any other way. But we have experience, he says. See, we can't fight it softly. we got to fight it hard. We have experience with fighting barbarians. With nearly a half million American casualties in the Pacific, Curtis LeMay was given command. He was extraordinary belligerent, many thought brutal. He got the report. He issued an order. He said, I will be in the lead plane on every mission. Any plane that takes off will go over the target or the crew will be court-martialed. LeMay's campaign of firebombing Japanese cities would burn to death nearly a million people. This is great. We need another Curtis LeMay. We're going to firebomb people. When the firebombing over Tokyo, 100,000 were incinerated in a single night. Years later, one B-29 pilot confessed he could never forget the smell of burning human flesh as he dropped his incendiary bombs from 9,000 feet. LeMay himself said, if we had lost the war, we would have been prosecuted as a war criminal. I mean, this is what we need to do. We need a, we need a LeMay, and then we need a Patton, and then we need a Trump. We need to firebomb our enemies. Think about what this person is saying. This isn't. We don't have to do this from. A, if this is militaristic, we got to. We got to go out there and take out our opponents. This is what the left does. So he's saying we got to fight the war like the left. We need to fight barbarians with barbarians. And this is an argument being used a lot. What's going to result in that? Where is that going to lead us? And maybe people would say I'm being too soft on this, but you know what? You can fight these people from the local. You can fight these people from the bottom up. It happens. Ron DeSantis. Now you could say he's going out there and he is, you know, burning down the other side. He's attacking them. But he's doing it in the state. And we can do this at the state. And that whole idea of federalism could save many states in America. It could save many people from the ravages of the culture war that's being forced on other states. Now in some states there's no saving them. But that's what a federation is about. And this is why you don't want Massachusetts governing Florida or California governing Florida or vice versa, Florida governing California. If you don't like those states, then move. Relieved of command after famously slapping two shell-shocked soldiers, Patton was a scourge of the highbrow and cultured allied command. I am personally going to shoot that paper-hanging son of a bitch, Hitler. We're not just going to shoot the bastards. We're going to rip out their living goddamn guts and use them to grease the treads of our tanks. We're going to murder those lousy... Hun, and I'm not going to say the word there, by the, and he uses some pretty nasty language here, right? So I just used some, but I'm not going to say all the things that he said there. But the, and this is Patton. I mean, this is Patton's language, right? You want to go out and see Patton, and I use some other things. Just Those are bad. They're bad, but not what he said in some of the other stuff. But with the war in Europe going badly, Patton was given command of the Third Army, and in less than a year had killed, wounded, or captured nearly 2 million Germans, assuring victory in Europe. Such are the men who win victories. Today's barbarians are not just at the gate, they have breached the barricades. They're coming for your children, your religion, your guns, and especially your soul. It is no longer enough merely to comply. You must repent, you must believe, and you must swear your allegiance. You don't have to at the local level. You don't have to at the state level. In fact, you can win there all day long. And these people know it, and they hate it. It's why they're going to the center all the time, because they think that they can get you that way, but... They can't. 
They can't. Who is to save us? Who is our Lamey, our Patton, a man so coarse and vulgar no civilized man would dare associate with him if not for desperation, but who knows how to rip the guts, living guts out of the woke ideologues and dismantle the deep state? Whatever you may have thought before, because today Trump is our patent and our last chance. If it is still possible to save the country from the fate of Constantinople or Rome, it's not going to be by some upstanding gentleman from Queensbury, but from an insolent pugilist from Queens, right? It's only Trump, the guy that knows these people, that's vulgar like they are, that can do it. I don't think Trump is that guy, number one, and I don't think you can do it from the center. you got to do it from the bottom up. And that's the point that I want everyone to get out of this again. Think locally, act locally is important. You can talk all day long about, well, if we just elected better people in Washington, we just had better representatives. Name like more than five people in Congress that you would actually think are pretty good, doing a good job to try to fight back. Name like five, more than five. You can't do it. I mean, DeSantis has been correct that Trump, now look, I have problems with DeSantis too. Now he's come out in foreign policy. I did a podcast weeks back where I said, yeah, I don't know about DeSantis uh, because of foreign policy. Now, he's come out with a pretty America first, non-interventionist foreign policy statement. Does he really believe it, though? I don't know. But you know, DeSantis has pointed out Trump was trying to force him to do things during the, during the COVID crisis, crisis, fabricated crisis, that he didn't do, and he worked against Trump, and Trump blasted him for that. I mean, again, is this what we want? Do we want someone... Trump was on board with all this stuff. Now, I understand why he did it. He was trying to win an election. Just so happens that all this nastiness happens in 2020 during the election year, and Trump couldn't overcome that, right? So that's important. But do we need a LeMay or a Patton? Do we need somebody to firebomb the enemy? Is that necessary? Yeah, not really. You can do it from the bottom up. It's what federalism was really about. It's what real American conservatism is really about. From the bottom up. That's what we have to do moving forward. All right. So I found this piece fascinating because you have this position that we need to come from the top down. We need to fight fire with fire. Be just as aggressive as they are. You can do it in, at local and state level. You can do it in a way that doesn't require a Trump to go into Washington, D.C. People, this is a Lincolnian myth Proposition Nation garbage piece because it assumes it assumes the center. It assumes Lincolnian nationalism when it really should be the other way around. Lincoln was distorting everything. And if it wasn't for Lincoln, none of all these things that he talks about would be going on in America today because the states would have already resisted these things and we wouldn't have had any kind of top-down centralized power enforcing this anywhere. Anywhere. All right. See you tomorrow on the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.